WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good Monday morning. It is uh, Monday, October 23rd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, just a beautiful day. If you liked yesterday, just a little warm. Warmer today, high 63. Tonight, an overnight clear, low 47. And then Tuesday, sun and clouds, high 65. And looking further into the week, by the way, like the next seven days, no rain, which is like I think the first time in months that we'll have that. But into the 70s by the end of the weekend looks like a beautiful weekend. So we have to get there, of course. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 46 and partly cloudy in Roslyn out on Long Island, 47 and mostly clear in Wayne down in New Jersey. And it is 48, few clouds here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. Over the weekend, Metro North, lots of problems there. There was a mudslide in Briarcliff Manor. And it set this chain of events off that made it tough for anybody trying to get on Metro North to get into the city. Uh, Amtrak as well. People in this neighborhood where this cliff there was this, there's this beautiful house on the top of this cliff and the cliff next to it fell onto the tracks. And you can imagine neighbors in Briarcliff Manor were watching this all play out. It's, uh, unnerving to say the least. Yeah. To see uh, your backyard sliding away. Yeah. So that was a neighbor who said this property was not well taken care of and that's why it ended up on the train tracks. We went out there and there was this huge crack across the backyard. And retaining walls had had cracked, and you know basically the place was falling apart. Yeah, it's kind of. A, I didn't mean to step on you there, but it, it looked kind of intense. It looked like uh, the swimming pool was the next thing to go under, but uh, so far so good. And they spent all weekend cleaning this. Well, the only damage was done was to the owner's wallet. You know, it's going to be an expensive repair. Yeah, so all day yesterday, buses uh, shuttling riders from train station to train station, which, of course, was not the way these people wanted to go. It's a little rocky, but they have a good system going. There's a lot of people, crowds, and they told us we have to take bus and now again switch, so it just takes much longer. Yeah, so the MTA says it's adjusting schedules. It's canceled four of the 158 trains today on the Hudson Line. So that's not so terrible. So you just got to go on, listen to Joe, who'll have the latest details, and, of course, um, uh, you know, check it out before you head out the door. How has it been, the shuttle to the bus to the train, da-da-da? Very confusing. No one really knows anything. And Like, we're asking, I think I asked the bus driver, we're going to Cold Spring, and he's like, Cold Spring? Where's that? Yeah, okay. Uh, Joe will have all the details coming up in just a few moments. Over the weekend, more pro-Palestinian marches, uh, some of them getting violent. 19 people, including three teenagers, arrested over the weekend when protesters clashed with NYPD cops during a pro-Palestinian rally in Brooklyn. This was one that they did not have a permit for. After um, a uh, a speech to free Palestine was uh, done. The strategic response group, uh, the NYPD, immediately resorted to throwing punches. The demonstrators charged with resisting arrest, disorderly conduct. They say it was about 5,000 people waving flags, chanting through the streets of Bay Ridge. We were clearing the roads 
and some of the people who were uh, ordered to be on the sidewalk were on the sidewalk and were punched regardless. Yeah, there was some intense moments between cops. They officers formed a human barricade to get these protesters off the street so they could open up to traffic. Uh, the people were there. Uh, saying, hey, we're organized, and they do seem to be much more organized than the Israeli side, at least when it comes to New York City. Let's suppose you own a house, and someone just comes and settles in your house. Okay, that's weird, but let's suppose they did it through some force. All of a sudden, every time you get out of your room, they're like, hang on a second. Why are you getting out of your room? Where you got to go? These are what settlements and colonization looks like. This is what they're doing right now to the Palestinian people. There was also a big protest in Patterson, which is sometimes called Little Palestine yesterday. There was uh, some pro-Israel rallies over the weekend as well. Mayor Adams speaking at one of them. We must be clear that Hamas must be destroyed. I keep saying this over and over again. The Army's going to do their job. Woo! Yes! Woo! Woo! But we have a job to do. We have to get back on our college campuses and reclaim yes! the And then over the weekend, a bit of good news. Two hostages released, a mom and daughter from Chicago. President Biden speaking with those hostages who were freed by Hamas in Gaza. Hey, Nat, how are you? God love you. Yeah, some of the video released by the White House. Uh, Biden speaking to Judith Ranan and her daughter Natalie, who you can imagine over delighted to be free and on their way home back to Chicago. I hope you're all. I hope you're both not only feeling good but in good health as well. Yes, sir. Yes, we are. Thank you very much. God bless you. Judith uh, expressing her gratitude to the president and the U.S. I'm so glad you're home. I'm not home. I'm glad you're out. Now we wait word, of course, for the rest of the house, just more than 200 of them. And let's go to Jerusalem now, as we have every single day, to find out the latest on what is happening there. Alex Trayman is the CEO and Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. It's JNS.org, and he joins us live on our Newsmaker line. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noam. Come on to get all the details that have happened over the weekend. So that was a big moment that the two hostages, the mother, daughter from Chicago were released. What's the latest on the rest of those hostages? Any more information on where they might be, whether uh, Israel or the U.S. is close to freeing any of those hostages? Well, the IDF has announced that there's actually 222 hostages now so the number keeps going and that doesn't include uh judith and and natalie renan who were released uh, over the weekend so the number of the number of hostages is steadily rising as they as they're able to identify that uh, people were not killed or near the border um yet there's not been a lot of information regarding where the hostages might be or how much the IDF knows about it, because uh, presumably if the IDF does know uh, where these hostages are located, they don't want to tip off that information because then they would likely be moved. Uh, There are reports that the United States and and Western powers are uh, pressing Israel to postpone its ground operation in order to try to negotiate for the release of additional hostages but uh you know if that's the case then really hamas holds the cards and you see they've released two hostages in two weeks and uh, you know they could 
that if they release two hostages a week for the next uh, extended period, that that could be that could be two years worth of time. So uh, Israel has to consider what it's going to do with regard to the hostages and its ground operation. Do we have any clue as to why these two were released? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of chatter on social media. First of all, obviously they were American citizens, and I think that that very much played in uh, to the decision. There, there's a lot of chatter about uh, you know whether they were actually Jewish pro-Palestinian activists, but nothing is really confirmed right now. And and I don't want to speculate too much on, on why these two were chosen, other than the fact that they were U.S. citizens. WABC News Time five ten on our newsmaker line, Alex Trayman, CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, JNS.org. He's live in Jerusalem. Alex, tell us uh, what happened in Israel over the weekend. The rockets still being fired in from Gaza? Rockets are being fired into in from Gaza as we speak. Uh, the large city of Ashkelon, which is the one closest to the Gaza Strip, uh, just up the Mediterranean coast, has been under continuous barrage, uh, multiple sirens going off in the city just in the last several minutes. Uh, rockets continue to hit. There's been over 400 rockets that have hit inside Israeli territory out of the, the 7,000 that have been fired so far, although those 400 are less than the 550 reported rockets that have fallen inside Gazan territory uh, from rockets that were fired by Hamas or Palestinian Islamic Jihad at Israel. And uh, the Israeli military going into Gaza, were they, was it just all by air over the weekend? Well, there's been limited uh, ground movement inside uh, the Strip, particularly in the area near the border. They're, they're searching for, for dead Israelis, and they have found several, and that is how they're able to determine, you know, who is a hostage and who isn't a hostage. Uh, so there's been limited movement inside inside the strip but there hasn't been this large ground incursion that everyone's been talking about and there's a sense that uh, israel is content for the moment to continue striking uh, from the air it's it's achieving uh, numerous military objectives by doing that also uh, due to the fact that they have essentially uh, placed a siege on the northern part of the gaza strip where most of the terrorists are believed to be hiding uh you know there's the more time that hamas spends uh hold up in their positions uh the worse their situation gets perhaps some of them will come out of their positions if they if they feel that the ground incursion is not imminent and that might also give uh the israelis some intelligence on, on where hamas operatives may be hiding we watched over the weekend, Alex, as uh, 20 trucks of humanitarian aid crossed from Egypt into Gaza. Uh, some of those trucks had caskets on them, others food and medical supplies. Will the Israelis let more trucks in? Do we know? Yes, uh, the, the U.S. President Joe Biden and, and Netanyahu seem to have agreed that there can be a steady flow of uh, humanitarian aid that comes into the southern Gaza Strip, provided, of course, that uh, Israeli officials uh, search and uh, determine that there's no uh, military equipment or, or fuel or other equipment that could be used to harm Israelis inside inside the shipments, and, and also to to watch and see what happens with the humanitarian aid that does get delivered, uh, making sure that it doesn't get into the hands of Hamas uh, before allowing additional convoys in. But it is a group, it is believed that additional convoys will be uh, will be allowed into the strip, much to the chagrin of the 
of many Israelis, including the families of the hostages and politicians that, that say that there should be no humanitarian aid until the hostages are released. Talking with Alex Trayman on our Newsmaker Line, CEO Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, JNS.org. Okay, so we've been hearing about the plans for this ground war for, uh, well, almost two weeks now. Do we have any sense of when it's going to happen, or are they really going to continue to just go by air and see what they can do by air first? Well, you still have hundreds of thousands of troops mobilized to go in, and, uh, you know, these are these are fathers, brothers, best friends, but also their workers. <laughs> you have uh, you have a significant portion of the of the Israeli workforce that is uh, that is uh, around the Gaza Strip, waiting for the orders on whether or not to go in. Uh, but I think the Israeli military is also watching closely at what's been developing on the northern border. This border continues to be uh, increasingly active over the weekend. Um, you know, firing from multiple points inside Lebanon uh, at Israeli communities, uh, many of which have been evacuated, uh, and as well as at military posts and, and Israel returning fire and actually starting to take some preemptive action to strike uh, terrorist, terrorist cells that are moving inside southern Lebanon before they're able to strike. Uh, and it's, it's definitely um, perceived that the northern border, the, the threat of Hezbollah, is a much more potent threat than the threat of Hamas. Uh, from Gaza right now, the, the Gazan threat is is for the most part contained, uh, and so the feeling is that if this if this war does escalate on the northern border, that it actually could be more likely to see a ground in operation in the north even before you see one in the south. All right, it's been two weeks since that savage attack by Hamas terrorists in the south of Israel. Have they been able to identify everybody who was murdered and then th- who, whoever they have? And is that, those are the people who are considered hostages at this point, or are they still finding bodies or identifying bodies? Yes, yeah, so the IDF is still looking for bodies, especially on the Gaza side of the border, and they found many. Uh, you'd have to, uh, you'd have to imagine that, uh, they have solid information on on who is alive inside the strip. That's why they've been able to say conclusively that there are 222 reported hostages right now. Uh, but it is believed that that number will continue to rise because uh, there are still hundreds, hundreds of Israelis uh, that have yet to be identified and or at this point are missing. That's amazing. I, the the and I heard you say you said they assume these hostages or they know for sure these hostages on the Gaza side are alive? Well, they, you know, they keep raising the number very steadily, you know, uh, over the last week, you know, went up from 150 and then there's a slow drip where the number continues to rise by a few people uh, where they are contacting the families and letting them know that they, that they understand that their, that their loved ones are hostages. Uh, so I, I think that it, it does give an indication that they may have some intelligence that, that they are, in fact, alive inside the Gaza Strip, because, as I said, there are many missing. So how would they know for sure who's a hostage or not unless they have some kind of a information or confirmation of that? Alex Trayman is the CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. You can see all the great work they do at JNS.org. Alex, as always, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. 517, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find a very happy Eagles fan in Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noah Mullin. It was a uh, 
Actually, a pretty clean game to watch last night, Sunday night football. The Eagles pulling out the victory over the 5-1 and one, uh, Miami Dolphins. No penalties for the Eagles in that game. No, my, I think that's the first time I've ever watched a football game and hadn't seen a team commit any penalties. Uh, but there you have it. Eagles get the big win on Sunday night football. But we have got to get local here. Start on the gridiron at MetLife Stadium where your New York football giants stunned the division rival Washington Commanders by a score of 14-7 to and their four-game losing skid. Tyrod Taylor starting for the second straight week with Daniel Jones sidelined with a neck injury chucked Two second-quarter touchdown passes to Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley. The score sounded like this, courtesy of CBS Sports. Third and goal. Taylor to the end zone. Waller! Touchdown! And finally, the Giants put six on the board. Tyrod Taylor, play action again, steps up, dumps it down. Barkley, head of steam. Saquon stays on his feet, and he takes it in. Giants. Taylor finished 18 to 29 for 279 yards, and the Giants' defense stifled Washington all day long, complete with a last-minute stand that sealed the victory for New York. They moved to two and five overall for the year, while Washington falls to three and four. Week seven will wrap up tonight in Minnesota between the five and one San Francisco 49ers and two and four Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football kickoff. Set for 8.15 p.m. there, and the Niners go in as six-and-a-half-point favorites. Over to the Diamond and the MLB playoffs, where the ALCS continued last night between the Rangers and Astros. The series now back in Houston. Nathan Avaldi remains stellar on the bump this postseason, and Mitch Garver and Jonah Heim homered early before a ninth-inning grand slam by Adelise Garcia helped the Texas Rangers avoid elimination with a 9-2 win in Game 6. Now with, all, uh, with things all knotted up at 3, the decisive Game 7 scheduled for an 8.03 p.m. first pitch tonight in Houston. As for the NLCS between the Diamondbacks and Phillies, the Phillies up three games to two and back home in Philadelphia for game six tonight. We'll try and put Arizona away to punch their ticket to the World Series for the second straight year. First pitch there set for 5.07 p.m. this evening on TBS. No, that is sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 522. Let's go down to D.C. Former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy says he's backing House Majority Leader uh, Whip Tom Emmer to take over the gavel, which, of course, nobody has right now. We've got a wide-open southern border. we got crushing inflation. we got war in the Middle East. This is not a moment in time to play around with learning on the job. It's been weeks. McCarthy says the Minnesota congressman knows how to do the job. He says Emmer can bring the Republican Party together. We need to get him elected this week and move on and bring this, not just party together but focus on what this country needs most he knows how to do the job across the street at the same time helping us win the majority he sets himself head and shoulders above all those others who want to run on friday mccarthy nominated ohio congressman jim jordan who lost a third round in voting and was removed by secret ballot as the gop nominee now uh emmer is there but apparently there's eight other candidates who are vying for this gig a former house republican who served on the january 6th committee uh, says kevin mccarthy has himself to blame for his removal of speaker of the house what we've seen is a result of really the leadership decisions that kevin McCarthy made all the way back after the 2020 election and certainly after January 6th. As former Congresswoman Liz Cheney says McCarthy elevated members of Congress who supported overturning the 2020 presidential race. And she says it's all coming back. At Looking him. the other way in the face of the kind of assault on our democracy that we've seen from Donald Trump and his allies in the House, including Jim Jordan. 
Cheney, of course, lost her re-election bid to the House when she was defeated by a Trump-backed candidate in the 2022 Wyoming primary. Several Republican members, meanwhile, are pushing for a unity pledge to help guarantee the election of a new speaker. The two-paragraph pledge is being spearheaded by Congressman from Nebraska, Mike Flood. It calls for Republicans to vote yay for whomever the party backs in the next speaker election on Tuesday. Politico reports a majority of the speaker candidates have signed the pledge. And there's over a dozen House Republicans who've indicated they'd like to be considered for the post. The aim of the pledge, of course, is to avoid the party division that kept Congressman Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise from becoming House Speaker in recent weeks. I'm Scott Carr in Washington. Former Vice President Mike Pence says he wasn't aware of a false elector scheme during the 2020 presidential election. I've learned about efforts afterwards in the press. There was some discussion about people convening for electors. The uh, GOP presidential hopeful says he was aware, as he calls it, crackpot lawyers, as Pence called them, were falsely uh, telling the president that the vice president had the authority to reject the electoral votes and send them back to the states back in 2020. The president and a group of crackpot lawyers that had surrounded them were making the case that I had the authority to reject or return votes back to the states. Pence did not speak directly about the two former Trump attorneys who pled guilty last week in the Georgia election interference case in exchange for testifying against the former president. While we're out on the 2024 White House campaign trail, GOP presidential candidate Chris Christie telling House Republicans to pick a new speaker already. He was in South Carolina for a rally this week, and Christie says he's been asked who he thinks should replace Kevin McCarthy. Who do you want to be speaker? I said, I don't care. Just pick someone. Just pick someone because Israel needs help. Ukraine needs help. Our southern border needs to be secured. The former New Jersey governor says Republicans are too busy arguing over inconsequential problems while bigger issues remain unresolved. Out to Detroit at 526, the president of a Detroit synagogue dead found stabbed multiple times outside her home. Samantha Wool led the Isaac Agree downtown Detroit synagogue and friends said she had worked hard to make the city a better place. She was just a ray of energy um, that illuminated with whoever she was talking to um, or the room that she was speaking in front of. Um, she really has left an amazing legacy behind. So you might get the Jewish community of Detroit wondering if she was stabbed in relation to what's going on in Israel between Hamas and Israel. Uh, police aren't saying so much just yet. Um, more from some of the people who know her. It is honestly a devastating loss. You know, I, as someone who has sisters, this is just kind of one of those things you can never really... Um, can never really prepare for. Yeah, police are saying wait till all the details come out till anybody jumps to conclusions as to why that rabbi was stabbed to death. Let's look at Wall Street. It's kicking off a fresh trading week after Friday skidded to a lower close, capping off a primarily lower week. Concerns about the broader economy just rattled the markets as bond yields surged. At the closing bell on Friday, the Dow fell 286 points. S&P 500 lost 53 and the Nasdaq dropped 202 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 
It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Monday, October 23rd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Just a beauty on the way. Sunshine, high 63. Tonight, an overnight clear low 47 and then tuesday we'll do it all over again sun and clouds high 65 the rest of the week by the way just fantastic no rain in the forecast for seven days we haven't said that in months and in the 70s by the weekend if you're walking out the door with us right now 46 and partly cloudy in roslyn out on long island 47 and mostly clear in wayne in new jersey and it is 46 and clear here in midtown we'll start this half hour up in the Bronx, some really frightening moments. Police uh, were told about a gunman who was firing off bullets yesterday afternoon. This was um, 164th Street and Sheridan Avenue in the concourse. And uh, they raced up there. And sure enough, there was a guy there with a gun. And he turned his gun on police officers. It's really scary. You know, we want um, a good neighborhood for our children. And for everybody. So that's what we hope for. Yes. Yeah. So thank God this gunman was a terrible shooter. He fired off at these officers. He missed them. The officers fired back. They missed the gunman. Driving around the Grand Concourse and out of nowhere, you just see a bunch of cops in different cars all over the place, left and right. Uh, on foot, driving around around ten cars, so it was all over. It was a hectic moment. Yeah, so he's talking about the fact that they just shut down the entire neighborhood as they looked for this guy. They weren't able to find him. Drones in the air, helicopters, a lot of cops on the streets. So far, they have not been able to find him. But like there always is, cameras everywhere. Some one of those cameras, no doubt, will have picked up pictures of him. Just a matter of time till they catch up with this guy. The parents of a missing 13-year-old boy speaking out for the first time after their son disappeared on Friday afternoon. Kavian Brown, for some reason, jumped into the East River near East 6th Street in the East Village. His mom uh, telling Eyewitness News that she fears he was dared to do it. And this was one of these families where they kept a close eye on their kids. I mean, most families do that. But uh, he was going to go from his Brooklyn home into Manhattan. He asked his parents if he could. He said he was going with his basketball team. And so they thought it was safe. Well, now over the weekend, I mean, just heartbreaking. You had NYPD divers in the East River looking for his body. So far, they have been unable to find him. My son was a joy. My son was so bright. I want my baby. Yeah. At 13, he's a big kid, 6'3", wears a size 15 sneaker. Uh, Mom says he loved to dance, art, especially basketball. He asked for permission to go what was to a soccer game at River Park by the East River. His mother said she said yes because he. she told that there was going to be parents there. It's not really clear whether there were, uh, and, but she thinks that some of the kids he was with dared him to go into the East River, and he went under apparently very quickly. We felt like it was a right for him to go because we felt like someone was going to be watching him. Mm. So, mm. 
because they knew how we was with our son. Yeah, that is uh, Kavion's dad uh, dad speaking out. Police say they had scuba divers out last night in the East River. They say they haven't given up their search, but they said no far. There's been no sign of him. Poor weather on Saturday uh, hampered some of that search. Uh, Again, haven't found the body. When the other coaches came, no one knew where my son was. And they was asking me and they were asking kids. And now my son is a missing person. And as you might guess, the family says they can't sleep or focus on anything until they're able to bring their son home. 536 out to Long Island and a story we told you about last week about a man who had been breaking into senior citizens homes in the middle of the night in Mastic Beach and attacking them and robbing him. Well, they caught this guy, thank God. Uh, but we now found out just how ugly this story is. This man's accused in an attack of two women in their 70s during two home burglaries in Mastic Beach. In one of the cases, he tried to rape one of the women. Police say 42-year-old Derek Clancy shared graphic details this weekend when he confessed to the crime. Clancy allegedly punched a 75-year-old woman in the face repeatedly, then ripped off her clothes. The 42-year-old who was homeless also told police on Sunday that he used a brick to smash a window and climb into another woman's home while she was sleeping at one in the morning. Uh, the second house, I guess the window was unlocked. That's how he was able to get in. Both uh, were women who lived alone at the time of these attacks. Thank God they're recovering from their injuries. None of them are life-threatening. And thank God police did a fantastic job of catching Derek Clancy before he strikes again. WABC News Time 539. Let's go out to Brooklyn. The FDNY says... E-bikes caused a fire yesterday afternoon at the Stop and Store. It's one of these storage facilities in Sunset Park. The fire, 63rd Street, started about 12 in the afternoon. This was a huge blaze. The first three FDNY units on the scene had to cut open a metal door to get into the building. There was heavy smoke inside. Neighbors say this fire got out of control very quickly, as it always does with these e-bike battery fires. I thought it was the, uh, the heat. You know, when it's cold, you can see the smoke. First it was a little smoke. Then when they cut that, it started coming out real well, fast. Once inside, they found three e-bikes on fire, close to 300 e-bikes and dozens of lithium-ion batteries. These are the ones that explode and cause fires so quickly. Uh, piled up inside these two storage units, even though the storage unit has a huge sign in front that says you can't put uh, bikes with lithium-ion batteries into these storage units, but you know, they're always not not always paying attention to what's put into the units. Wall-to-wall boxes, across and high. They couldn't even get into the, the building. You know, some of the people are watching the firefighters. By the time fire crews emptied the units, the street was filled with piles of e-bikes and batteries. The batteries that were still on fire or hot when they were taken out of the storage unit were put into barrels full of water to ensure they would not explode again. Once they were fully cooled, another team took them out to the barrels to dispose of them safely. The FDNY says getting a little tired of showing up at these fires that are started by these e-bike batteries. They're usually the second-rate ones you can get online. Fire suppression systems, they're not designed to put out enough water. The copious amount of water it takes to put out e-batteries or any kind of electrical fire. Yeah, the one bit of good news here is nobody hurt here. There was a couple minor injuries, but nothing serious. New York 
Congressman George Santos may need to look for a new defense attorney now. Federal prosecutors argue that Congressman George Santos's attorney, Joseph Murray, had a professional relationship with two witnesses that could potentially testify against the Republican. One of those key witnesses being former campaign treasurer Nancy Marks, who pleaded guilty earlier this month to fraud charges. Santos himself is facing several charges in air fraud and conspiracy. He denies all allegations and is due back in court this Friday. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. WABC News Time 541. Let's go down to D.C. The Pentagon says they've received over 270 new reports of UFOs over an eight-month span this year. The Defense Department this past week released a new report to Congress saying 274 new UFO sightings have been reported to the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, which leads the government's efforts to document and analyze such sightings. Sean Kirkpatrick, who oversees the office says the vast majority are benign objects such as balloons or drones, but that some may be the result of America's adversaries trying to spy on the U.S. The Pentagon says the majority of the reports came from military service members and commercial airline pilots. I'm Scott Carr. You know, the one thing he didn't say in that report is about two to four percent of the reports they received the Pentagon about UFOs are still mysterious to them today. They haven't been able to identify them which I think seems like a lot. A new study shows artificial intelligence may be able to detect diabetes in a person just by listening to the sound of their voice. In the study by Click Labs, researchers recorded people diagnosed with various types of the disease, analyzing more than 18,000 10-second recordings and found 14 acoustic features of differences between non-diabetic and type 2 diabetic individuals. Study author J.C. Kaufman says the research could transform how the medical community screens for diabetes. According to the International Diabetes Federation, almost one in two or 240 million adults living with diabetes worldwide aren't aware they have the condition, and nearly 90% of diabetic cases are type 2. I'm Scott Carr. 543, Martin Scorsese's newest film could not compete with Taylor Swift at the box office. Killers of the Flower Moon projected to earn $23 million by the end of the weekend. These are the finest, wealthiest, and most beautiful people on God's earth. They everybody. Yeah, so this historical drama that stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro has received a bunch of positive reviews. And $23 million, by the way, is not bad take over the weekend. But it's not enough to top Taylor Swift. The Eros Tour, the concert film now, has raked in over $100 million in just two weeks at the box office. Also doing okay this week was The Exorcist, Believer, and Paw Patrol, the mighty movie. Saturday Night Live, back Taking note of the lack of a House speaker, the cold open featured Mikey Day as Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan, the second representative to quit the race for the gavel. Oh, how did I lose? This is chaos. Some of us are here to actually serve the American people. All I want to do is get Congress back to work so I can shut it down again. I didn't see the episode, but has SNL been funny in years? I don't know. The latest episode of SNL also brought uh, Grammy Award-winning Puerto Rican rapper and singer Bad Bunny out for double duty as the host and the musical guest. And negotiations between SAG-AFTRA and Hollywood Studios will resume tomorrow. Nearly two weeks after management halted discussions on Saturday, a joint statement from the Actors Union and the 
Studios said they're willing to return to the bargaining table. The news comes a day after SAG-AFTRA thanked union members for their unwavering solidarity over the last 100 days. Union members are asking studios for better pay, protections against AI, residuals from streaming, and more. I'm Brad Siegel. 545 now. Let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noah Mullen. We'll start on the gridiron at MetLife where your New York football giants stunned the division rival Washington Commanders by a score of 14-7. 10, their four-game losing skid. Tyrod Taylor starting for the second straight week with Danny Jones sidelined with a neck injury. Chucked two second-quarter touchdown passes to Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley. Those scores sounded like this courtesy of CBS Sports. Third and goal. Taylor to the end zone. Waller! Touchdown! And finally, the Giants put six on the board. Tyrod Taylor, play action again, steps up, dumps it down. Barkley at his steam. Saquon stays on his feet, and he takes it in. Touchdown, Giants! Taylor finished 18 of 29 for 279 yards, and the Giants' defense stifled Washington all day long, complete with a last-minute stand that sealed the victory for New York. They moved to 2-5 and five overall for the year, while Washington falls to 3-4. and four. Week 7 will wrap up tonight in Minnesota between the 5-1 and one San Francisco 49ers and 2-4 and four Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football. Kickoff is set for 8.15 p.m., and the Niners go in as six-and-a-half-point favorites. Over to the Diamond and the MLB playoffs with the ALCS continued last night between the Rangers and Astros with the series now back in Houston. Nathan Ovaldi remained stellar on the bump this postseason, and Mitch Garver and Jonah Heim homered early before a ninth-inning grand slam by Adelise Garcia helped the Rangers avoid elimination in a 9-2 to win in Game 6. Now, with things all nutted up at three games apiece, the decisive Game 7 is scheduled for an 8.03 p.m. first pitch tonight in Houston to see who's going to take on, maybe, we'll see, the Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series. They're going to try and put Arizona away to punch their ticket to the Fall Classic for the second straight year. That first pitch in for Game 6, and that NLC has to set for tonight at 5.07 p.m. this evening on TBS. No, that is sports, and I'm Justin Ellis on 77 WABC. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. One of them is uh, one that Joe is just talking about there, Metro North Hudson Line, which will operate mostly normal service today. After that mudslide in Briarcliff Manor, it was a house at the top of a cliff, and the cliff right next to the house just went onto the tracks on Saturday, and it was not good for most of the weekend. People who live in this neighborhood, of course, worried that other parts of this cliff would come tumbling down. It's uh, unnerving, to say the least, yeah, to see uh, your backyard sliding away. Yeah, a neighbor says the property was not well taken care of. We went out there, and there was this huge crack across the backyard, and retaining walls had, had cracked, and you know, basically the place was falling apart outdoors. You know, it's one of those things where you see it from the sky, they had pictures, and it looked kind of cool. Of course, it wasn't cool for the homeowner who's going to have to pay out a lot of money to fix what's wrong. The only damage was done was to the owner's wallet. Yeah. You know, it's going to be an expensive repair. And then back here in the city, it was all about the Israel-Hamas conflict that continues to go on. It's playing out on the streets of New York City, also in Patterson in New Jersey. 19 people, including three teenagers, arrested over the weekend when protesters clashed with NYPD cops during a pro-Palestine rally in uh, Bay Ridge. (laughs) 
After um, a, uh, a speech of, to free Palestine was uh, done, the strategic response group, uh, the NYPD, immediately resorted to throwing punches. The demonstrators charged with resisting arrest, disorderly conduct, failure to use a sidewalk. Cops said they did not have a permit for this rally. Around 5,000 people, that's the number cops were throwing around, showed up to this thing. Police uh, ordering these uh, folks to clear the roads. They were in the middle of the road, get onto the sidewalk. Officers formed a human barricade to try to get these protesters off the streets. We were clearing the roads, and some of the people who were uh, ordered to be on the sidewalk were on the sidewalk and were punched regardless. Officers say they were pushed, shoved. In some cases, things were thrown at them like eggs. Uh, but protesters say they were there for a reason. Let's suppose you own a house and someone just comes and settles in your house. Okay, that's weird, but let's suppose they did it through some force. All of a sudden, every time you get out of your room, they're like, hang on a second. Why are you getting out of your room? Where you got to go? These are what settlements and colonization looks like. This is what they're doing right now to the Palestinian people. And the uh, people at a alternative rally would disagree with that statement a pro-israel rally kicking off in brooklyn yesterday one of the keynote speakers was mayor eric adams we must be clear that hamas must be destroyed yeah. listen the army the army's going to do their job I keep saying this over and over again. Army's going to do their job. But we have a job to do. We have to get back on our college campuses and reclaim academia. And there was one piece of good news amid all of this mess in the Middle East over the weekend as two hostages, a mother-daughter from Chicago, were released by Hamas in Gaza. They're on their way back home. President Biden speaking with these two now former hostages yesterday from the White House. Hey, Matt, how are you? God love you. Yeah, some of the video released by the White House, Biden speaking with Judith, uh, Judith Renan and her daughter, Natalie, who you can imagine were more than delighted that they had been released. Uh, he said he'd hoped that they were in good health. I hope you're all I hope you're both not only feeling good, but in good health as well. It'll be interesting to hear from these two, if we're able to, about their experience being kidnapped from the southern part of Israel as they were on vacation there and then taken over into Gaza. Judith, uh, thanking the president and the U.S. for their efforts to free them. Hello, president. I'm so glad you're home. We're not home. I'm glad you're out. Thank you so very, very much. The commissioner of the general of the United Nations Relief Agency that works um, to feed people in hostile environments, uh, watching on over the weekend as about 20 trucks filled with medicine, uh, caskets, and food were allowed to go in from the Rafa border, which is the Egyptian border between Egypt and Gaza. Those 20 trucks making it through on Saturday. We need fuel uh, to move the trucks to reach the people in need. The Gaza Strip has been uh, sealed off by Israeli forces since Hamas militants savagely murdered civilians two weeks ago. Some families with loved ones in Gaza have been waiting in Egypt for any word of how they're doing, unable to reach them by phone. I have seven sisters and my father, my mother, grandmother, uncles, 
All my family is there. I can't contact with them. You don't know if they are okay or not. And as we heard earlier this morning from our reporter Alex in Jerusalem, air raid sirens continue to be heard blasting within Israel as rockets from Gaza are still being fired into Israel. And now there's issues of rockets being fired from the north, from maybe Hezbollah into the northern part of Israel. That is President Biden announced the U.S. will provide uh, the U.N. and uh, the Palestinians with more money to feed some of those people who are, I guess, in pretty desperate situations today. If there is uh, no in, in input of resu- additional financial resources, we will certainly not be up to the challenge. Yeah, he's a little hard to understand, but that's one of the people organizing the effort. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says Israel cannot let Hamas stay in position to be able to launch attacks from Gaza and have the right to defend themselves. Israel has both the, the right and even the obligation, not only to defend itself, but to try to make sure that, to the best of its ability, this can't happen again. Of course, the big issue is if they do take out Hamas, who will govern Gaza afterwards. Countries throughout the region who want to come together to integrate, to normalize relations, and to lift up the rights of the Palestinian people. Of course, this is all going on as Israel has amassed this uh, hundreds of thousands of troops ready to go in for a ground war in Gaza when they get the green light to do to, uh, do so. A senior aide to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says his nation will try to minimize civilian casualties in Gaza when and if they go in. The people who say ceasefire, it's like they hit us and they butcher our people. And then Israel can't strike back. Israel can't act to defend its people. We've got to stop what we're doing. Yeah, so it has been interesting. It seems, uh, and we asked um, Alex about this this morning, that the Palestinian side, at least in the U.S., seems to be better organized than the Israel side with these protests that have happened over the last two weeks. When will the green light come for that ground war? Uh, Alex said nobody seems to know so far. Israel going in over in the air with uh, airplanes, Air Force jets, to fire away at Hamas spots, and they say they've been successful doing so. So we'll wait and see if and when that ground war might begin.